0: Sam DeMarco was recently elected to chair the Republican Party of Allegheny County, the Republicans' most populous county in Pennsylvania. Sam is also an elected member of the Allegheny County Council. We sat down to discuss his challenges and opportunities to win elections, as well as the rise of Democratic Socialists in Pittsburgh. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs and I am in the city of Pittsburgh and I'm at the uh, Republican Committee of Allegheny County headquarters uh, with Sam DeMarco, uh, the recently elected chairman of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. Uh, Sam, good to be with you. Good to have you here, Matt. Thanks for coming. Oh, My pleasure and uh, congratulations on, on your, your recent election uh, or condolences. I mean, I, I know it's all the same uh, many times over, but uh, uh, g- good luck to you in your new, uh, your new role. I thank you. It's probably
1: a little bit of both. I mean, we have a big job ahead of us here, but I think the folks in Allegheny
0: County, particularly the Republicans, we're up for it. Well, uh, we want to hear how you got here uh, because you are actually a sitting elected official as well uh but uh let's let's hear about the the man behind the politician here and
1: sure. uh wh- where'd you grow up sam well i was born in pittsburgh here i was born and raised on mount washington grew raised there and then moved to beachview joined the marine corps when i was 17 years old served four years in the marine corps i was an avionics technician which is someone that works on aviation electronics out of jet aircraft upon returning i went to school at the community college of allegheny county and then walked on to the Pitt panther football team at the university of pittsburgh in 1980. I left school, and uh, I was a bit older, and I joined, I became a member of the building trades. So I was a guy that what they call the glazer. that's a guy that puts in windows, glass doors, architectural metals, and things like that.
0: So you, so you worked uh, within a union at that time? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, w- I was
1: a union glazer. In during Pittsburgh's Renaissance II building period, I helped and worked on the PPG Center, okay, uh, Oxford Center, and what's known today as Mellon Center, it was the Dravo building back then. Okay. So I was involved in
0: building those. So when you go by, do you see I put in that window up there? (laughs) I'm able to point
1: to the spires down at PPG and know that I was one of the folks on the cruise that used to work at those heights.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I couldn't do that. But let's back up a little bit. So um, you uh, you decided uh, to, to go into the Marine Corps. What inspired you or was it? Like, uh, I don't know what I want to do with my life. So let's go uh, see the world, I guess. (laughs) You know what? I I don't know. I think
1: from an early age and you watch the movies and you see television and things like that, you know, I was always fascinated by men in the military Mm -hmm. and you always wanted to be a soldier or for me, it was a Marine,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. So when I had the opportunity, I joined the Marine Corps and I mean, let's face it; we have the best uniforms out there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and what, was your dad in the military then, Spryland, uh, or no? My dad okay. had served in the Air Force. Okay. All right. And so, uh, w- what about politics growing up? Was that a part of uh, your family life, uh, or where did politics kind of enter your bloodstream that uh, got you to this point? We'll get to all the various hats that uh, you you wear now, but sure. uh, where did politics enter into your your thought life? I think uh, I was the oldest of six kids, and I think my family
1: always encouraged me to get involved in things. My mother was actually a Democrat committee woman Hmm. when I was growing up. My dad was a teamster. He ran for business agent in Local 249. Was not successful.
0: So you were probably a registered Democrat uh, on your birth certificate. Uh, They might have liked that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: okay. But when I was in school, ninth grade, I worked on the Richard Nixon campaign. I volunteered and went around and knocked on the doors of seniors to drop off absentee ballot applications for these folks so that they could request a ballot.
0: How, how did your mom and dad let you do that?
1: Oh, they didn't care. I think, <laughs> you know, I think they, they had respect for me just as I have respect, you know, for my kids and my grandkids and that uh, allowing them to form their own opinions as uh-huh. long as they're utilizing critical thinking and there's a reason behind the folks that they support. But see, I was always, i talked about my uh, fascination with the military. Mm-hmm. The Democrats were always, in my opinion, weak when it came to national security and national defense so when i turned 18 i registered as a republican Mm. and i've been one ever since Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. so uh uh, at a young age you kind of had this this little bug i guess uh yes sir uh, uh, handing out pamphlets for uh uh, richard nixon uh for sure um so you go into the military i'm sure that only made you more staunchly uh uh, republican in many ways um but you come back to pittsburgh and uh, as you said you uh, got into the building trades and uh um, I, you mentioned this to me earlier, uh, that you were, you were trying to make uh, the, the Pittsburgh Panthers uh, team at the time that Dan Marino was uh, the quarterback yes, there. Yes, I mean, I, I was a walk-on <laughs> on the 1980 Pitt Panther football
1: team, which is one of the greatest college football teams ever put together. I mean, pro football Hall of Famers, uh-huh. we had Danny Marino, Russ Grimm, Ricky Jackson. <laughs> I mean, we had quite a few. They had 13 guys that year that were drafted into the pros. So, so it was a, a, a tough team
0: to make absolutely so uh let, splinters yeah. yeah so uh let, let's fast forward uh here uh, to today uh today you're sitting here with with many hats uh one you were elected a number of years ago as uh, the republican uh, at-large uh, member of the allegheny county council uh, which is a different form of government from the vast majority of county governments uh, in pennsylvania how is allegheny county structured Uh, you know, in in a different way than than the vast majority of counties in Pennsylvania.
1: Sure. Let me explain. Uh, Allegheny County is a home rule county. Mm -hmm. Many of the counties where you currently have
0: commissioner systems. Yeah, just three, like two Democrats, a Republican, or the reverse. The
1: rules apply to them say that they are only allowed to do what is specifically permitted by the state legislature. Okay. Under home rule, you're allowed to do whatever it is you want to do Unless it's specifically prohibited mm. by the state legislature, so it gives us more flexibility and when, on how to govern
0: ourselves. When did Allegheny County adopt uh, that home rule, or has it? I mean, this is where my knowledge on this. Uh, so I appreciate the education of of uh, how you become a home rule county and uh, kind of the, the the differences there.
1: It happened in the late 1990s. So I think 2000 was the first year. Jim okay. Roddy was the
0: first county executive to serve. Is the first county executive here in Allegheny County, and and so uh, this form of government really gives quite a bit of uh, autonomy uh, to the county. Uh, but then I think you can also say uh, it's it's the responsibility. Then you're kind of you're pretty much responsible for your own uh, economic well-being and the uh, good or bad decisions that are that are being made at the the county level. You no, know, no, absolutely.
1: And I think elected officials should be held accountable for the decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I can tell you, uh, I joined here in 2016, having been elected in 2015, Mm -hmm. and we've had a number of credit upgrades here. Allegheny County is doing very well. It is a good time to be serving in county government in Allegheny County.
0: Now, it's not necessarily a good time for Republicans in Allegheny County, even though Republicans have, uh, I know you've got the largest number of registered Republicans in any county out of the 67 counties. uh, The uh, Allegheny County is home to the largest uh, share uh, of of Republican voters. But uh, when it comes to elected office, it's a pretty Democrat dominated county, correct? Sure. Let me explain that uh, to you a little bit
1: further. Allegheny County has 264,000 registered Republican voters. Now, unfortunately, we have about 553,000 registered Democrats, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the breakdown is like this. The city of Pittsburgh, which has roughly 300,000 people, has currently 177,000 registered Democrats, 34,000 registered Republicans. Mm -hmm. So the D to R advantage inside the city is 5.6 to Mm one. But when you take the city out of the rest of the county, now that registration advantage drops to 1.6 Democrat to every one Republican. Hmm. So I believe that if we just turn people out, we can win any election here. We're just not doing that. I did some research. I went back over the last 20 years. I haven't found a single race where a Democrat for in the municipal offices got more than 180,000 votes. Hmm. So if we were able to just get the 75% turnout in one of these years,
0: not even that high. We could win county executive races. So, so as the new uh, chair of the, a very important county for Republicans, uh, what are the priorities that you've laid out here? What are the top one, two, three things that, that, that you wanna do uh, to make sure that Republicans uh, perform better than they have?
1: Three things. One, we have to recruit candidates. Mm. You know, we have 264,000, as I said, Republicans, but we want them to come out and vote, but yet we can't put up candidates for them to vote for. Yeah, this you've is had one a the lot reasons- of uncontested uh, races, right? Right. This is one of the reasons why I've run. We cannot afford to give these folks a pass. Mm. Number two, we need to increase the, the membership we have in the county. We have 1,322 precincts in Allegheny County. So theoretically, we should have at least 2,644 committee people. I was given a list, 640 people. But yet, in the recent two recent chairman elections, we had 324 vote in the first one, 370 vote in the second one.
0: When you should have at max uh, complement 2,600. 2,600.
1: Okay. So we don't have the foot soldiers on the street to be able to go door to door to be able to do what, what do you the attribute that, that
0: to? What do you attribute uh, kind of? Uh, I think we've seen just a In general, a national decline of party involvement and the institutions that the parties themselves have certainly uh, declined. I mean, you just think even of of President Trump. I mean, he's, you know, he hasn't been an institutional Republican Uh, and even the Democrats. Right. I mean, Bernie Sanders isn't uh, even a registered Democrat, yet he uh, pretty much took over that party in many ways. Um, So it's like it's a challenge, I think, for parties that uh, have been in the decline uh, how do you reverse that? Well, a couple of things. I mean, from a Republican perspective,
1: many of our folks are older mm-hmm. and have gotten even older. And we haven't done the good job of bringing in the new folks, you know, the younger folks in new blood. I spoke When I spoke at our uh, our election the other day, I talked about we need to reach out to a whole new generation of conservative voters. You know, but the Democrats are having a big recruiting push. They're acting like this is the 1960s. Mm-hmm. We need to look at it as we did in the 1980s, where every young college man or or woman is a prospective foot soldier in the conservative revolution. We need to bring these folks in. So I've already reached out and gotten the contact information of all of the young Republican chapters here within the Southwest uh, Pennsylvania region. The college Republicans, I've reached out to those folks, and when they come back from school, one of the first things I'll be doing, sitting down with every chapter and trying to bring these folks into the fold and get them engaged as well
0: so I'm sorry I, I asked you for your the top things you're going to do and I kind of cut you off so that the first one you said is to get people to uh, engage at the committee level well the um, first thing yeah. I'm
1: going to do we need to provide candidates yep. so we need candidates, to aggressively sorry. recruit candidates to give somebody to vote for secondly we need to take and increase our, our members and one of the ways we're going to do that I talked about we need to do that I talked about the young folks but also I'm going to go to the pro-gun pro-life pro-school choice groups Their platforms, what their issues, they're all core tenants of the Republican Mm -hmm. platform. I'd like to cross-reference our membership list versus theirs. And anywhere where they have somebody and we don't, offer to appoint those folks to the Republican committee. Because we need a quick infusion. We need to take care of our volunteers. Someone walks in the door here. I don't care if you come in to knock on a door, make a phone call, put out a yard sign, or just grab a slice of pizza. I want to know who you are, how to get a hold of you, and I want to know what issues animate you.
0: What drove you to get up off the couch mm-hmm. and come walk in our doors? And I want to put them to work. So one of the things that we've seen uh, over the years is a reddening, if you will, of, of Western PA. Uh, you've got a lot of folks who are still registered Democrats. But when you look at how they perform, I mean, obviously, Donald Trump out in Western Pennsylvania uh, carried uh, the rest of the state in many ways. Um how do you what, – what, what is it that you have to convince uh, uh, those Democratic voters that tend to vote uh, Republican but to actually finally make that jump of, of uh, registering as a Republican? Um, how, what, what, what's the case that can be made to those old-school Democrats, if you will, that the Republican Party is really your home? Well, I think we need, we need to show the flag.
1: And by that, I mean we have to get out there in the communities – and let these folks know that we exist. We have to stand up and fight for the values. Donald Trump was able to win over disaffected Democrats because they thought that both parties left them behind. Look at what he's doing on trade. How many jobs, good-paying manufacturing jobs, were lost because of NAFTA and globalist policies in Washington? So he's been able to make tremendous inroads with these folks, people that believe that now somebody cares about me. We should be taking advantage of the Democrats ever-increasing leftward lurch to the left, these folks are going to leave moderate Democrats behind. We need to be there waiting with open arms, you know, and bringing these folks in. Yeah,
0: and and I think that that's uh, one of the challenges that the Democrats recognize is that uh, they can't win elections if they continue to lose that uh, blue-collar, you know, Western Pennsylvania voter uh, but the question is, are there policies ones that they're going to embrace? Uh, but they haven't traditionally been Republican uh, voters right. in the past. So uh, we're, we're really almost at a fork in the road for a, uh, a cohort of the electorate uh, and decide which direction do they go, which could then, of course, decide the direction of Pennsylvania. And right. Of course, the direction of Pennsylvania uh, will decide the direction of the country as the largest swing state uh, in the nation. I mean, we're the fifth largest. Right. Yep. Uh, and uh, Democrats really have a, tr- a difficult uh, path to get to the White House without Pennsylvania. So I'm sure that if you're not seeing it already, you, you guys are going to start seeing 2020 ads uh, for the presidential election here very soon. And I, I guess your thoughts, uh, uh, Sam, on 2020, I mean, uh, ads obviously uh, we're, we're uh, quite a ways away, uh, more than a, a year away from the election. Um, what 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 are your thoughts? You think that uh, the president gets uh, reelected uh, once again?
1: I think the president is definitely going to be reelected, and I think he's going to win Pennsylvania. And I'm going to put my name and my credibility on the line here and tell you that he is going to perform better in 2020 in Allegheny County than he did in 2016.
0: What what uh, gives you that uh, kind of uh, confidence? That what uh, what wh- why? Wh- how can you make a, such a strong statement? I guess I'll my tell question. you why. Yeah.
1: I was recently interviewed when Joe Biden came to town, Mm -hmm. and folks wanted to know because everyone was raving about Joe Biden. (laughs) He's the hero of the working man. So I did a little research for the show. In in April of 2016, when Joe Biden was vice president, the unemployment rate in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County was 5.3%. In April of 29, under President Trump, it was 3.8%. The lowest it's been since we started recording that back in 1976. Mm -hmm. So that means thousands, thousands more Pittsburghers and Allegheny County residents have good-paying, family-sustaining jobs under this president and his policies. Do you think that's they, going to make a difference?
0: Yeah, do you think they attribute that to the president? Uh, I mean, do you think that they make that direct connection that is because of who's in the White House, that I have a, a job, or that even wages that are going up? Do you think that there's that connection? Or is that the, yeah, I guess that might be the challenge of the Republican Party, right?
1: That's my job. <laughs> you You hit the nail on the head right there. Listen, if they don't make the connection, it's our job to make that connection for them.
0: So, Sam, as things and have – yeah, If ahead. I may, yeah.
1: it's not just the jobs that he's provided. Let's talk about wages. Mm. Wages have been increasing under this president at the highest rate they have in decades, averaging 3%. And I posed the question, I said, if Joe Biden is going to have a problem, because if he wants to talk about he's the hero for the working man, how does he justify Democrats' support for open borders and illegal mm-hmm. immigration? because low-priced labor is what's suppressing the wages. So they have a quandary there. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things here, Republicans, we're the big tent. When we talk about people coming into the tent, we talk about people just being Americans. Mm -hmm. The Democrats slice and dice into all these different constituencies
0: and then try to offer policies for each and every one. You have 16 categories of boxes you you have to check. Well, so, Sam, as as the western part of the state has been reddening, Um, You do have these pockets uh, where it's a different kind of red. (laughs) The Democratic Socialists uh, feel quite emboldened, uh, particularly in the city of Pittsburgh. You, of course, had uh, two longtime incumbent Democrats in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, uh, uh, the Costa uh, Cousins, correct? Uh, Yes. uh, That they were defeated by two Democratic Socialists. Uh, And then in this last primary, I think quite a few Democratic Socialists uh, took out uh, incumbent uh, uh, Democrats. Uh, And then I think you even have a possible insurgency against the Democratic uh, District Attorney that the Democratic Socialists are coming after. Um, how, how do you explain, I guess, kind of these polar opposites? Is this just where we're at politically, that sure. the extremes are, are getting radicalized, if, if, that's, if you can do that? Uh, but uh, talk about the, the, the rise of the Democratic Socialists.
1: I think when we talk about both parties have their fringes, okay? Mm-hmm. And the Republicans went through this in 2010 with the sure. rise of the Tea Party. Yeah. The Democrats are going through it now with the rise of the DSA. Now, the only reason I believe that they've been able to be successful is because they've been able to focus on tradi- in traditionally low turnout elections. Mm. The primaries. Many of these folks, there's not even a Republican opponent running. So Democrats don't have much to come out yeah. to vote for either. So these folks, they run an organized campaign. They bus people in from D.C., Ohio, New York, and West Virginia, and they put them to work knocking on these doors, sending out postcards, making phone calls on behalf of their candidates. It's also, as you know, power of incumbency if you're the incumbent elected official mm-hmm. you're doing your job it's one thing you're able to go back to the people and tell them what you're doing for them if you get a little lazy there okay or you're not talking about the things you're accomplishing at yep. somebody else that doesn't have the job they have the time to be able to go door to door i mean one thing you're doing the job they want the job mm-hmm. so it's an interesting dynamic but I would think if the electorate as a whole was changing, then you wouldn't see the Democrat polling for president, for example, is the what it is. Mm. You mm. wouldn't see, a, say, a Biden in the lead. You would see a Bernie Sanders, you know. Yeah. So.
0: See, but uh, and, and it's where, of course, this is, I think, the influence of the media, right? They mm-hmm. elevate the AOCs and, and we've got our own the uh, uh, Summer Lee and uh, Sarah Inamorato, who are those DSA candidates that are now in the, the Democratic uh, caucus, right. uh, which uh, I hear there are pl- plenty of tensions uh, happening there because it is, a, I think, a struggle for what does that party stand for. I mean, in an in age where you say that uh, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are the moderate voices of the Democratic Party, uh, you see a significant, uh, really a tectonic shift, uh, I think far greater than the impact that the Tea Party had right. on the Republican Party. In fact, you, you could argue that the Tea Party actually was uh, calling the Republican Party back to its uh, uh, you know, founding principles, if you will, of you know, less taxation, you know, fiscal responsibility, which of course would be nice in, in this day and age <laughs> of, of bipartisan budgeting. Uh, but uh, it seems that the, the Democratic Party is going through not just a you know, a, a, a shift, but we're talking about a leap Uh, That in some ways, uh, an embracing of socialism, which used to be a pejorative, uh, you know, to call call anybody a socialist. Now they've just embraced uh, this label and I think are going hog wild with the policy agenda.
1: If there's not a more or a bigger indictment of the public education system, it should be the embrace of the term socialism by many of the kids out there. I mean, we've had over... As a hundred- history
0: teacher, I'm very offended right. that they haven't well, taught that. <laughs> there yet. you go. That's right.
1: <laughs> over 100 million people lost their lives in the 20th century, yeah. you know, under socialism and communism here, and these folks don't understand mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. We have the vivid... Uh, example of Venezuela. Yeah, I mean, people eating their pets, eating Oh, but out of that's not what we're really about, you know? Sam. That's right. what they are. Is they talk that, about, they, they'll yeah. try to talk about, hey, we want Nordic, like yeah, Sweden or yeah, Norway, right, right. Denmark. They're not Those aren't socialist, socialist that's companies. That's right. countries. right? Yeah. They embrace free markets sometimes more than we yeah. do. Yeah. And again, it, there's a, a degree of ignorance here. I don't think anybody has done more to tarnish the reputation of Boston University's economic degree than AOC, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, we need, we need, but our job. We need to help educate and inform. One of the things that I always thought was interesting: 2012, when Romney ran, they spent almost a billion dollars. But the way we run elections today, Matt, we run them where we spend them all on the candidate. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, if the candidate wins, great, so we have a, somebody's in office. If he loses, we wasted a billion dollars. Why can't we take and spend five hundred million dollars on the candidate? And five hundred million dollars educating the public on the issues. Yeah. You know, because then whether you win or lose, at least you hope that there's a a residual effect from the education you try to provide, and someone understands it. No, socialism is not quite a good thing. There is no free lunch. Oh, you know what? We'll promise to give kids and pay off their student debt here. (laughs) They'll think it's a good deal, then they'll spend the
0: rest of their lives paying off everybody else's. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. Well, uh, Sam, I, I appreciate your sitting down with me here on the very front end of your tenure as the uh, the chair of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. I wish you well. Uh, you have a huge task in front of you. Uh, so hopefully it will be, uh, you know, at the end of this, it's a congratulations, not a condolences, uh, but that... Uh, Look, uh, I, you, you've got a, a, a tr- tremendous opportunity and a great threat, of mm-hmm. course, right? Uh, with that uh, comes. Uh, and I appreciate your sitting down. And maybe we'll do this, uh, you know, a checkup uh, in a year or so and see how uh, see how things have been going here in Allegheny County.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you, Matt.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. You've
1: been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners' Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.